My name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames Cast. And on today's episode, I'll be taking a look at the new Kevin McDonald documentary, Marley, about the reggae star Bob Marley, as well as seeing if this new adaption of Judge Dredd is actually something we can watch without having to cringe our way through. But before I get on to all of that, I really must give an explanation as to where I have been the past few weeks. Now, some of you may or may not know, but uh, I made a decision last year that I was going to try and fulfil my dream of directing films for a living. And this year I decided that I was going to sort of start my career by making a short film, which actually completed last Wednesday. Um, For those of you who live in the UK, you might know that the weather last week was absolutely horrendous. So naturally, I decided I wanted to film in the open for Monday and Tuesday. And to say we got wet would be an understatement. There were people working on the film who have been in the industry for many, many years, and they actually said it was possibly the worst conditions they have ever had to film in but we managed to get through um, almost everything that I wanted there were some sequences where we just couldn't get the shots due to kind of various things and one of the things you find about filming in a park is that you do create a lot of attention and unfortunately we did get some um, rather undesirable folk coming around wanting to have a look at the cameras and things like that but overall it was an incredible experience I was saying to someone last night that About three weeks ago, I was looking for reasons to cancel the project because I was finding it immensely stressful. It was a lot of hard work. Um, We were, like I said, it was only really a a short film, but we had about kind of at its peak, I think we had about 15 people working on it and um, just sort of organising it and getting everyone sort of to the locations and fed and things like that was a job in itself. But I've been looking at the rushes since we um, finished last week and I'm really encouraged by what we've managed to get. Um, I don't think it's going to be the Citizen Kane of short films, but I certainly think it's going to be a kind of a solid um, directorial debut. I'm going to do a full length episode on my experiences making this film because I think it. I've certainly learned a lot and I would like to kind of share some of the kind of the, the thoughts and observations I've had about the entire process. Hopefully anyway, I think it might sort of be kind of, uh, if you are thinking about doing something like this, I'm hoping it might be quite kind of inspirational because certainly one of the, um, resounding lessons or I suppose one of the, the 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 byproducts of this entire process has been a sense of personal pride which I don't really think I've ever experienced before and um, there's there was certainly some highs and lows along the way which I will get into in more detail but now it's kind of out of the way or at least the kind of the planning and the principal photography is obviously there's a lot of editing to do now and color corrections things like that i am fully intending on um getting back into the podcast because whilst i've been not been able to kind of sit down and record episodes and plan for them i think i've actually missed doing it quite a lot and you might have already noticed that there's been a distinct um increase in the quality of sound because i've been spending um, a lot more time really trying to make the podcast sound a lot more professional in the kind of the the hiatus that we've had and I think just because the the standard of podcasting seems to be kind of getting higher in but certainly the ones I listen to and I sort of want to kind of keep up with that and hopefully sort of if not reach the same level try and exceed many of the other ones out there so going forward the podcast is now going to be an enhanced podcast you will be able to skip chapters and if you want more um, more information on what chapters are on each episode simply go to the blog and find the post for that episode and you will see the times and the chapter numbers so you can kind of skip on through 
if I am talking about something which is of no interest or you, for whatever reason, um, stop listening and have to come back and listen the next day, you can now skip to various points. Also, the amount of shows that I'm going to be recording um, is going to be increasing quite a lot. Um, I'm aiming now to try and do something at the very least once every two weeks and there will be also episodes going up on the kind of the exclusive page on the blog. I will be carrying on with the James Bond marathon. Um, I really want to kind of get through that, um, not not as quickly as possible because I'm not enjoying it, but I, I do have another kind of marathon that I'm quite eager to start and I was thinking about um, doing two at once, but I've decided I'm going to stick with the Bond one. So um, look out on the exclusive page. Of course, you can always subscribe to the RSS feed or my Twitter um, account which I'll give the details at the end of the show if you want updates as to when those will come out but in the meantime I'm hoping to have something out on the feed and also going back to shows like the very first episode of 24 frames cast which was a kind of a theme based show I'm hoping to kind of go back to that kind of format as well as a um, there's certainly a lot of things at the moment which I've been preparing and partly recorded certainly the Ridley Scott part three is well on the way. Um, obviously, it's far from being finished, but it's certainly uh, parts of it have been recorded and researched. And hopefully, I think that part three one is going to be a pretty epic because there's quite a few films to get through. But um, I'm hoping anyway, it will sort of be a, a pretty good um, end to that retrospective. And before I get on with this week's reviews, I just want to give a shout out to some other podcasts, namely Joachim Thiessen's The Film Man podcast, which he's just put out a new episode on Anton Corbin's um, The American, and of course my good friends Stuart and Hunter and The Midnight Movie Cowboys, um, which is still going strong and it looks like there's another episode um, being prepped as we speak, so hopefully that will hit in the next couple of days. Also, um check out the Hollywood Gauntlet which is um, John Jansen from the Hollywood Saloon's new podcast I've quite enjoyed the episodes that have gone out so far and um, it's very much kind of in the same vein as the saloon and I, I've personally really enjoyed it so far and also we, I suppose we're kind of anxiously awaiting the arrival of Andy Sims new podcast Andy versus Hollywood uh, no news yet as to when that will be hitting but um, it's certainly one which I think there's a lot of uh, excitement for I think Andy has kind of in a way um, been something of a trailblazer in the podcast world certainly he's uh, you know kind of it was a huge inspiration as for me to set this one up and uh, judging by the amount of people who have already signed up to the Facebook group I'm predicting it is going to be a massive success but without any further ado I am going to get right on with it and take a look at Kevin McDonald's new film Marley. It is mentioned off in the Bible that there shall be a music that all people shall play and dance and sing this with. What other music could that be? Reggae. You come from such a humble beginning. My father would always take us back to Trenchtown. Would never lock his car up. That is like saying you don't trust people. I was the one that he would call to get women out of his dressing room. I became his guardian angel. watch <laughs> that. All your parents do is smoke and play music. Nobody wanted their children around us. <laughs> the most important thing culturally that was happening in Jamaica at that time was Bob Marley exploding onto the world stage. There was that sense that he's about to be massive. 
Yeah. My life is just me, my own security. Let me know what it. My life is for people. Are you a rich man? Do you have a lot of possessions? Possession make you rich? I don't have that type of richness. My richness is life. Love, prosperity, even us all. Yeah, Rastafari. Now, I love documentary films, and in particular, there is a subgenre, the music biography, which I think I love even more. It doesn't matter who the artist is, give me two hours about a musician, and I am in. Now, Bob Marley does not occupy much space on my iPod. In fact, it, there is just one album there, which is a best of, so I wouldn't call myself a massive fan at all, really. But other than being from Jamaica, I can honestly say I knew nothing about him whatsoever. So enter Kevin MacDonald, a director whose work has never failed to impress me. And really, he is the type of filmmaker I would like to be one day because he can go from documentaries like One Day in September and Touching the Void to fictional films like The Last King of Scotland. His work is diverse, although I contest it is the documentary format where his talents best lie. Now, Marley, along with people like Che Guevara, is one of the most iconic individuals of the modern age. How many students, I wonder, have put a poster of Bob Marley on their wall smoking a joint? But like Che, I wonder how many could even answer the most basic questions about these apparent idols they worship that they pretend to love so much. I remember when I was at university, um, I was there was a particularly... Um, some friends of friends who I particularly despised because they were these kind of like part-time weekend socialists and I remember one of them came in one day wearing this t-shirt with Che Guevara on and I asked him a very simple question which was where was Che Guevara born and he didn't even know the answer to it and I remember getting quite a furious debate with him because this was someone who he was you know apparently telling everyone it was this sort of revolutionary figure who he worshipped yet he couldn't even tell me where he was born and I find that kind of really really irritating because people simply don't understand the symbolism and the ideology ideology of the people they apparently worship now Marley is a film that feels like the tip of an iceberg which isn't to suggest it doesn't go deep enough into its subjects moreover I was left wanting to know more and more about Marley and I don't think two and a half hours, well nearly two and a half hours, was really long enough to kind of get through all of this. I think I was a little bit spoilt as well by the excellent documentary Living in the Material World about George Harrison, which um, that, you know, I think it was about four hours in the end and it just felt so kind of thorough. But, but that minor quibble aside, Marley soon gets stuck into its subject. And what we learn about, first of all, is Marley's childhood and we see the absolute poverty that he was born into and sadly it appears um, not a great deal has actually changed that much in the town where he was born but secondly I found out something really interesting about him which was he was actually born out of wedlock to a white landowner. Now I never knew that he was actually half cast and this actually makes Marley such a miracle of modern popular culture. Prejudice is a two-way street and the young Marley was probably off an outsider in his own country. He was forced to do more work and than his other members of his family to earn money and food. 
yet it was music that would prove his escapes. A gifted guitar player, he assembled a group of local musicians and embarked on his music career that would take him from outsider to international superstar. The film is made up of a mixture of contemporary and recent interviews and McDonald's crafts an intimate telling portrait that does not try to present Marley as perfection incarnated. Indeed, it is his flaws that make him such a compelling character. I, for one, knew absolutely nothing about Rastafarian culture and what it was actually meant and was actually about. And in this respect, Marley was a really enlightening film for me. It was an offshoot of Christianity in which the belief is held that the Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia was the reincarnation of Christ. Rastafarian is at the heart of a great deal of what happens in Jamaican culture and MacDonald in the film does not mock it as being some daft cult of, of a lesser developed people. Moreover, it imbues reggae music as being a universal music of the people that should unite and heal. And of course, if you love Marley's music, then the film is a joy to behold. From his early recordings to his work with Lee Scratch Perry and various incarnations of the Wailers, the mechanics of reggae music and Marley's work is covered in minute detail, often with highly illustrative demonstrations by former members of the Wailers and musicians who worked with Bob. I was only the casual fan before, but I can honestly say now that I have kind of come to love the music of Bob Marley and I found there's actually nothing more kind of relaxing than chilling out to the sounds of one of his albums. But the more I suppose we kind of dig into the film, the more we see that there are certain kind of contradiction in Bob's views. Believing in universal rights for all, his attitude toward women was dated to say the least. Despite being married, he had several children with different women. In Bob's view, they had a place in society and it certainly wasn't an equal playing field of men. Misguided were also some of his choices politically for someone who believed in a free Africa. His first concert was in Gabon for President Bongo, who himself was a pretty cruel and brutal dictator. But his achievements politically cannot be scoffed at, namely in Jamaica itself, a country that suffered as many did with the post-colonial struggle for identity and stability. And it was some of the kind of the work that Bob did that managed to kind of unite many of the warring factions in the country. But McDonald's approach is not one of hero worship. It feels like a very honest film celebrating and objectively showing Marley as a person who was an icon as opposed to just being a black and white hero that in truth I doubt many people actually know anything about. At two and a half hours, as I've said before, although it's kind of quite a long film, I was left wanting a lot more, perhaps more about his kind of chart success and things like that. But overall, I think this is an excellent documentary i would urge anyone interested in seeing it to pick it up on blu-ray the high def sound opens up the music wonderfully with the nuances of the instruments coming through it's also a very bright film too and the added color reproduction leaps off the screen marley is another fine work from mcdonald illuminating honest and above all hugely entertaining i'm pretty certain it will find a place in my top 10 for this year Makes the brain feel as if time is passing at 1% its normal speed. Wicked! 
If we play this right, we could take the whole city. is the manufacturing base for all the slow-mo in Mega City One. You know how often we get a judge up in Peace Trees? Well, you got one now. She has control of everything. Levels one to 200. This is Mama. Somewhere in this block are two judges. That's not good. I want him dead. We're gonna have to go through him. Rookie, you ready? Yeah. You look ready. Fire! Judgment time. Let's finish this. Okay, so the subject of adaptions is something that I have talked about a lot on the 24 Frames cast, purely because I have quite a simple belief about adaptions. I think you have to judge what is there, not what you want it to be. So, for example, when I talk about preferring the ending of the Watchmen film over the Watchmen graphic novel, I received a few stroppy emails from people who were kind of basically saying that I had kind of missed the point or it was sort of um, in some ways offending them as fanboys and in truth be told I don't really give a shit I am more interested in commenting on what is there so far my favorite film of the year which I'm not going to reveal I think people might be fairly outraged when they do if it if sorry it stays my as my favorite film of the year I think people will possibly be outraged um, when I announce that but and I'm sure the reason why they will be so angry is because they will wave the novel in front of me shouting that um, it completely guts it or it's nothing like it but again I judge on what is there not on what I want to be there so Judge Dredd now bar none the judge is my favourite graphic novel character of all time no I didn't say the best graphic novel character of all time he's just my particular favourite I am currently rereading the uh, annuals I used to survive um, 2000 AD when I was younger and something brilliant has happened actually um, past couple of years they've they've been um, putting all the Judge Dredd comics into um, omnibus editions and releasing them I think they're up to about 16 volumes so far and I'm working my way through them again and I absolutely love this character I find them hilarious now I am a bleeding hearts liberal I am the type of one you know I, I'm the type of person who people sort of, sort of probably say I have kind of wishy-washy beliefs and all this kind of thing I am sickened and appalled by things like the death sentence but I will gladly watch uh, read Judge Dredd and laugh out loud when he sentenced people for 
fairly kind of minor crimes to horrendous, you know, you know many years of hard labour, or just completely shoots them in the face because of uh, past crimes. It certainly brings out a certain contradiction in my character, shall I say. Now, it is fair to say, I think, that the last incarnation of Judge Dredd on the screen was something of a total shambles, with an enormous budget of 90 million, and of course, Sylvester Stallone in the title role. It was overblown, muddled, and above all, utterly devoid of any of the charm and charisma of John Wagner's graphic novel. And here is the thing about Judge Dredd. If you're gonna do a Dredd, the character, has to be the star of the show. You simply cannot have someone who is bigger than the role. Secondly, you need to embrace the culture and society of Mega City One, the vast metropolis in which the action takes place in order to understand the need for judges to be there in the first place. What surprised me most about this new Dread film was, number one, it is a graphic novel adaption that presumes you know about the characters and simply gets on with the story. And number two, it has 3D that actually feels as if it works and should have been shot in 3D. So, with Alex Garland on writing duties and director Pete Travis, producer Andrew McDonald, brother of Marley's Kevin, and Carl Urban in the lead role, would, would this incarnation of my favourite comic book character really actually work? And the answer is a resounding yes. Judge Dredd is not your typical graphic novel superhero. He lives in a world which, if we are honest, is pretty wrong. A kind of one-man justice system, Dredd has been known to sentence people to 14 years in prison for speeding. He's the type of law enforcement that Fox News would endorse, brutal yet probably quite effective. I've always loved Dredd though, part of me wishes the government would give it a go. After all, the sheer number of tossers on the street, perhaps swift, brutal justice may just bring them in check. After the riots last year, hoodlums may think twice before messing with an armed paramilitary judge on a huge motorbike. Now of course we move into the fanboy realm. I hate the Stallone Dread because it is rubbish. It doesn't mean that I don't ever want to see a Dread film. I don't have a checklist prepared so I can moan if I don't get out I want. Like the legion of douchebags out there. But don't get me wrong. Now I may have had a few things that I would like to have seen and didn't get to see. However, again, it comes down to judging what is actually there before you. What I loved first and foremost is the fact that we are completely spared any kind of origin story. There is a brief overview of Mega City One and the Cursed Earth Beyond the Walls, but that is about it. And really, how refreshing is this? I don't need to see why Dredd decided to join the judges and all these kind of like unnecessary backstory we just get a brief opening monologue some wonderful shots of mega city one and bang a little action scene and we get on with the story and what of mega city one well shot in south africa director peter travis uses 3d to build on what is actually there so we see a mixture of real city complemented by huge cgi tower blocks and vast high highways it's not as crowded, perhaps, as a graphic novel, but my God, is it effective. This feels real, and when we get to street level, the film really comes alive. Society in Dread is pretty shit, and I think the film nailed this. It is the right mixture of the recognisable and science fiction elements. With surveillance drones flying around vast impoverished tower blocks, the story quickly begins to set into motion. A new drug is causing havoc on the streets of Mega City One. 
Slow-mo causes users to experience time in a compressed way. Seconds feel like minutes as the drug courses through the veins. It has become the possible downfall of Mega City One and is controlled and produced by one person, Mama, an ex-prostitute played by Lena Headley, who runs a huge tower block known as Peachtree. After Mama has three men skinned and their bodies thrown to the floor below, Judge Dredd and partner Judge Anderson, a mutant psychic played by Oliver Thurby, are dispatched to Peachtree to look into the case. After apprehending one of the murderers, Anderson and Dredd try to leave the huge tower block, yet Mama is having none of it and places the building on lockdown. With only one way out, Dredd and Anderson have to fight their way through the building in only what be described as very violent circumstances. Can they make it out and will their colleagues come to their aid? Okay, so the first plus point with this film is that it is gory. Violent on a level that is seldom seen in graphic novel adaptions. In fact, I'd say it is possibly the most violent to date. And rightly so, because the film does not pull any punches whatsoever. The judge's system is spectacularly harsh. Sentence is passed and if necessary enforced on the spot. So if you are sentenced to death, you are killed there and then. A running theme through Dread is a kind of fascist ideology. The popular is so dangerous that extreme violence is the only cure. I've seen it before in Elite Squad, a film about Brazilian slums in which the paramilitary police act more like the army than police. And it's a rather bleak message because, quite frankly, it works. Dread worships the law. He will allow for minor transgressions, but God forbid if you push him too far, it is game over. And the anarchic attitude is captured perfectly by Garland's script. Mega City One needs to be kept in line, otherwise anarchy will ensue. But the killing does at least have some effect on Judge Anderson, who in one brilliant scene is forced to actually confront the consequences of what she has done. Yet, as Dredd, Carl Urban sneers his way through the dialogue with amusing one-liners and a constant sense of utter rage at the world he lives in. One thing I did have on my fanboy checklist was that Dredd should never take his helmet off for two very good reasons. One, no actor is bigger than Dredd, certainly needs someone who can act to play the role, but Dredd is more than just a human being, which leads me to point two. The faceless Dredd is infinitely more scary. In a way, he becomes something more than just a person. He becomes an ideal, which is utter dedication to upholding the justice of Mega City One. So no, we don't get any personal moments with Dredd and with him looking into the mirror or we just see him doing his f job, which is what I wanted from a Dredd film in the first place. Who cares what he does at night or, you know, some kind of long lost love. No, just put him in a situation and let him just do his thing. His relationship with Anderson is the classic buddy cop rookie drama. But with Mega City One as the environment, it doesn't matter that we might have been on this journey before. Lena Headley is a great protagonist. Again, it is a fairly recognisable baddie type, but she is the type of criminal produced by the society of Mega City One. I think the whole thing is gelled together perfectly by Travis's direction, which is both imaginative and at times exhilarating. The sequences involving the drug slow-mo were quite incredible and beautiful at the same time. He wasn't afraid to really show gore either. Civilians don't just get caught in the crossfire, they get ripped limb from limb by it. Violence is shown as it should be, gruesome, visceral and cruel. I'm glad this is an 18 certificate because the shackles have been well and truly thrown off. 
2000 AD always felt a cut above the rest in terms of graphic nature. Where they went wrong before is they tried to mainstream Dread. This time they go for a hard sci-fi action genre piece as opposed to a more family-friendly fare. At an hour and a half it is lean however due to the nature of the story it did feel a little repetitive at times and perhaps it could have actually lost or had some scenes with more going on included in it. The industrial score by Paul Leonard Morgan was just also what it needed to be, loud and in your face, no wistful strings or rousing themes, just pumping, rocking sounds to complement the on-screen carnage. The film was shot natively in 3D, indeed I found this to really complement the style of the film. The tower blocks seem huge because of it, blood and debris flies from the screen. It is exactly how 3D should be employed into genre cinema. And it is most definitely a big screen experience. It's nothing new, it's hardly daring, but it is ridiculously good fun. Made on a modest budget of 45 million, I can honestly hope to God this is the start of a franchise that will go on and on. There are so many stories to mine from Dread, both standalone and series, and franchise is such a horrible word in many respects. Resident Evil, Final Destination, Paranormal Activity have all long since passed their sell-by date. Dread deserves to have at least as long a run as these, if not longer. And this feels like a film that has been made for adults, by adults, and by God, in the wasteland that is American cinema of late, this could be a welcome oasis from the doll pap. And that is going to be it for this episode of the 24 Frames cast. Um, I, I'm well aware of the fact at the moment I have fallen way behind on the Criterion Roundup, so I've got an omnibus episode planned for those. I am going to try and, as I said before, uh, stick to a more regular format, which might mean slightly shorter running times for shows like this, but that will give me more time to work on kind of monster feature-length episodes, such as the Ridley Scott one. And I've got a, a, a number of projects bubbling away at the moment, so... Um, by shortening the length of these types of shows, I will be able to put more um, time and effort into getting those kind of clips right and the sound sorted out and things like that. But for the time being, um, hold tight. There will be a lot more arriving on the feed quite soon. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can by emailing me at 24framescast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at 24framescast and you can come over to the blog at 24framescast.blogspot.com Many thanks for listening and I will be in contact very soon. Thanks. Bye.